Good morning. Well, first of all, Happy New Year. Um, I hope that, listen, as I'll tell you a little bit in the sermon, I am glad to see 2023 head out and uh, looking forward to 2024. And uh, we'll be talking about that in the message. If you are a guest today, your first, second, third time, please fill out the registration. Rip that off, drop it in the offering plate. That's all we're going to ask you to give us, just a record that you were here. And then if you will read the details, if you don't mind, please, in the bulletin. Uh, coming up now, I can start announcing a little bit more in detail. The Come and See on January the 10th, that's a Wednesday evening. And that is just a time where we would like to see you, just to see you, get your name, and you to meet all the staff and all the volunteer staff um, over in our ministry complex and just let you meet them and say hi. Again, we're not going to try to recruit you to do anything or sign you up. We just want you to be here uh, so that we can meet you. And then the baptism on the 28th of January, we've got, uh, I've had several people this week call that wanted to be a part of that. So if you would like to be a part of that, we need to talk to you ahead of time. And um, we'd love to have you participate. And believe it or not, this week being tomorrow, the first day, Tuesday is a woman's heart. So ladies, y'all will be meeting Tuesday at 1130 here. And then on the 17th, I will be resuming and all of the groups will be resuming Wednesday night live Bible study. Uh, we're studying 
uh, what's next? Where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, study with Dr. David Jeremiah. So we'll be doing that. All right. Let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church. Happy, happy New Year. Oh, that was Pitbull. Happy New Year.
never stops. I'm gonna sing it. I'm gonna shout it.
Father, we love you this morning, Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, in all of our ways, Father. We may not understand everything, but we acknowledge you in everything, and you'll make it straight to us. You'll make it clear to us, Jesus. We thank you for that word. So as we approach 2024, I want to trust you with all my heart, even when I don't like it, Jesus. Even when my flesh wants one thing, but my spirit wants another, Lord. I want to trust you. Because I know that you know what is best, Father. And you see down the road, I don't see. And you know what's there for me. So, Lord, we lift up your name this morning, asking for more of that trust. Praising you for what you've done in our lives, even though it's been a hard year, Lord. You've given so much to us, Father. So we give some back to you now at this time of offering, and we trust you that you will use it for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. ladies if they just kind of sit still we're just going to kind of sit as we sing this song up to Jesus and give him all the glory for him, for the victory that he's already won for us amen
We are thankful, dear Jesus, that greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And the weapon that we have is your word. And we take your helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the gospel and we can conquer all through those that are in Jesus Christ because of you. Father, this morning for those that are needing encouragement, that they feel like they're in the losing battle, remind them this morning that you are with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us. Father, for those that are just feeling lonely, Father, remind them that you are here and that they are never alone with you. And God, remind us through your word today as our pastor is beginning to preach. The word that we need to hear may be hard to listen to. Father, may it change us from the inside out. And may we obey all the words that you have in your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell you, you guys, you better get on the ball. The first service is almost as full as you are. Uh, and, and, and believe it or not, lots of young couples with lots of kids. So, yeah, doing good. But uh, I think you're still ahead of them a little bit. Um, I'm ready for you to start again. Next Sunday night? I mean, what do I, what do, I do for food on Sunday now if we don't have youth? Yeah. If you weren't here Christmas Eve night, <clears throat> of course, we had people actually pushing them in the doors. They were so full. But um, there were two, two young guys here for the first time with their mother. They'd never been here. And they saw me take this out, which is a finger moistener for turning pages. And they couldn't see. They thought it was a snuff thing. <laughs> no, they really did. They thought I was dipping snuff, you know. So... I'll start putting it in my back pocket, then they'll really think that. <clears throat> well, today is the uh, last sermon in a little short series that we did getting ready for the end of the year and the beginning of a new one on how to enjoy the rest of your life. Because uh, folks, whether we, uh, no matter whether we complain about it or not, uh, we've got to live here till the Lord comes or he takes us individually and so everything that I read says, in spite of all that's going on, we're still to have the joy of the Lord. Um, doesn't mean we're going around hee-hawing all the time, but we have an inner peace and a joy of the Lord. So I wanted to close this year with a message for me and to me, and it's on how to conquer complaining. Now, I know you don't struggle with that. But the truth is, everybody in this room struggles with complaining. Everybody. Now, some of us are more positive than others. Listen, there are a few people <clears throat> that I know that I like to kind of get around because they are so positive. And, you know, that you, you just feel good being around them. I want to become more like that because I believe it's biblical, number one. And uh, it, it makes you healthier and, and you feel better and more importantly than all, you're obeying the Lord when we, when we talk about complaining. Complaining is a killjoy. I think you would agree with that. It makes you unhappy, and it makes everybody around you unhappy. But folks, the, I don't know about you, but this is a problem that is hard for me to break. It's a hard habit to break. 
And one of the reasons is we are naturally negative. Did you know that? We are naturally negative. We tend to look at the bad things in life. We are conditioned by society. That is why the news, whether it's television or paper, is bad. They don't make any money if they produced all the good things that are going on. So we not only have our own inherited bent toward complaining, but we are conditioned uh, and bombarded continuously with everything that is wrong. But So by our own nature and by our conditioning, we tend to develop the habit of complaining. It's like, you know, all you hear is death, crime, and destruction, you know, story and, and uh, film at 11. You know, that, that just seems to be the, the pattern of our society. The Bible says that God wants us as believers to be different. And the verse, the two verses that we'll look at now and then at the end that I believe are that, you know, it's one of those that you just kind of read over. <clears throat> you don't pay a lot of attention to it. And here's what it says. Do how many things? Everything without complaining or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation. Are we in that generation? Yes. In which you shine like stars in the universe. So when we don't complain, you know, and when we don't argue about things, in this whole wicked, dark world, it says we shine like stars. We stand out. Now, what does God's word have to say about dealing with the habit of complaining? What I want to do first is take a few minutes and tell you about, and they're, they're, they'll be in your notes, the four different types of complainers. And one of the reasons I like this is that these are a lot of my heroes in the Bible, people that we preach about in a positive way, and I will in the future, but it lets me know that they are human and were human like me. And that they fault maybe some of these things, same things that we do of being positive and not complaining. So number one, the whiner. <clears throat> Anybody know that one? Do you know in the Bible, you read the book of Psalms, a lot of it, most of it written by David. David, I love him. One of the great stories in the Bible. But do you know that David, all through the Psalms, now thank God, he complained a lot, but to the Lord. And that's where we should. But notice what he says in Psalm 73. He said, have I been wasting my time? And he's talking to the Lord. Why take all the trouble to be pure? All I get out of it is trouble and woe. Why am I, why am I obeying, Lord? Why am I living, trying to live a godly life? I don't get anything out of it. See, the telltale sign of a whiner would be this. It's just not fair. I don't deserve this. Everybody else gets all the breaks. What, look at this one in, in, in Matthew 20. It says, they took their money and started grumbling against the employer. Here's what they said. We put up with a whole day's work in the hot sun, yet you paid them the same as you paid us. 
Now, many of you know the story. Uh, Jesus is telling a story about how people can come to the Lord at the late hour and they're still accepted by the Lord. But he tells us some other things. He says there was this man, he had a business, a, a, a farm, and he hired people to go out and work for him uh, on a given day. So they started at six in the morning. So he went out at six and hired a group, probably the bigger group. He went back at nine. There was another group there. He said, why are you working? Nobody hired us. He said, I'll hire you. Go out in the field. Did it again at, at noon. Did it again at three and did it at five. One hour before quitting time. And at quitting time, he tells his worker when they come in to get paid, he said, put them in there from the one that worked the least to the one that worked the most and start paying them. So he pays the guy that worked one hour. He got a full day's wage. So the other guys in the back of the line are thinking, well, we're going to really make out because they got everything. Look at what they got for one hour. We worked 12 hours in the hot sun, but they got the exact same amount. They started complaining. And what did the owner say? He said, look, didn't you agree to this? I, I didn't do anything wrong. You agreed to work all day for this amount. Is it bad that I want to give them the same as I give you? Can't I do what I want to with my own money? And, and of course, it says they griped and complained. Now, folks, we are conditioned. And when I first read that, I'm thinking, that ain't fair either. But the truth is, and, 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 and let me tell you what immediately came to my mind. Here's a player that signs a $50 million contract. And he signs a contract. But another player in the same position, maybe better, gets now $100 million. So I'm going to hold out because I, I deserve what he's getting. No, you signed a contract. You ought to obey the contract. Now, I'm telling you that to, inter, to introduce this. I am preaching mainly to myself today because I have been having a hard, hard time. And I've been complaining and complaining a lot. Um, and not in a good way. It, it's made me feel bad. Probably everybody around me feel bad. But this this thing in the college football that I love, I have loved college football, and this portal thing. Have you seen the uh, di, uh, the D Dr Pepper commercial where the players are sucked into the portal? Have you seen that? You got to see that sucked into the portal. Now thinking that's that's accurate. But anyway, I complain a lot about it. And, and here's what I've decided. Life isn't fair. And it's not going to be fair. And it's only going to be fair in heaven. And brother, one day, justice is going to be served in heaven and hell. And, and you know, I mean, and here's what I've learned. Complaining doesn't work. They haven't listened to me. If I picked up the phone to call the NCAA, I'd never get in. And it wouldn't matter what I said. So I, here's what I said. Lord, you got a choice. You can keep watching and enjoy. Because I don't, I don't even listen to the sound for years. I turn the sound off. I don't want them telling me what I'm looking at. Or I can just keep making myself miserable by griping about it. I've decided I'm going to watch it if I want to. And if I don't, I don't. But I'm not going to get upset about it. It is what it is. So there is the whiner. I was a whiner. Number two, another one type of complainer is the martyr. The martyr. 
What's their favorite fa- phrase? Nobody appreciates me. I may not say it like that, but you may have heard it. And believe it or not, guess who in the Bible this fits? Another one that I love, Moses. Moses. Now, watch this. In Numbers chapter 11, Moses said to the Lord. So Moses, again, is saying this to the Lord. Numbers 11, 11 through 15 is the whole passage. Moses said to the Lord, why pick on me to give the burden of a people like this? I can't carry this nation by myself. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now. It will be a kindness. Let me out of this impossible situation. Do you know anybody that has pity parties? You know, if they're under pressure or something, they want everybody else to know about it. How do you react when you don't get your way? How do you react when you don't get your way? Do you mount up a complaining campaign against somebody? There's a third person that that is a type of a complainer, and that's a cynic, the cynic. This one wasn't hard. In fact, I picked this one out easily. Solomon. I love Solomon. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but his, their favorite phrase would be, nothing ever changes. Have you ever thought that? I have. In the midst of all my complaining, nothing ever changes. Here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 1. Life is useless. You spend your life working, and what do you have to show for it? The world stays just the same. What has been done before will be done again. In other words, what's the use? You know, he goes on to say, you know, the sun rises in the east, travels all the way around to the west, and then does it all over again the next day, and it never changes, and all the rivers flow into the ocean, but the ocean's never full because it goes right back and evaporates, goes back over land, rains into the river, the river flows back into the ocean. And he said this seven times, it is meaningless. Life is meaningless. And then there's the fourth one, the perfectionist. Anybody know that one? For this person, nothing's ever right. It's not good enough. Favorite phrases of of these would be, is that the best you can do? Or what have you done for me lately? Let me, let me tell you something about this one before I give you a couple of scriptures. About four or five years ago, a lady that had, was here for her second time, she came up to me right down there. I was about to walk up here. You know, we pastors don't like to hear bad news right before we get up here. <clears throat> it really does put a damper on your day. But anyway, she called me right down there. And she, she said, can I talk to you a minute? And I said, well, ma'am, I'm about to, you know, go up. And she said, well, I just want to tell you. She said, I've been here two times now. And she said, um, I just noticed you don't have a cross anywhere in the church. And we didn't have that. It was not up there then. You don't have a church. You don't have a cross. And I said, okay. I said, um, if you'll see me in the foyer, because I already knew what I was going to do. If you'll see me in the foyer at the end of the service, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. And you can give me more details. So at the end of the service, I, I did. I was out there. And she comes up and she s- said again, I said, now, what was it? I knew. She said, um, well, you don't have a cross anywhere. I said, you mean like that seven-foot one right there? If you're out in the foyer and you look up at Gulf of the Lake Church, 
there's a seven or eight foot cross up there. I said, so you mean a cross like that one? She said, oh. And then she, the perfectionist, here's what she said. Well, that's not a biblical cross. I said, okay. I said, well, what is a biblical cross? Well, it's like this, you know, uh, perpendicular. I said, no, ma'am. I said, there were four or five different crosses in the, in the New Testament times, and there were several ways that they hung you to it. That Jesus was nailed, but some people were tied with a rope to a cross and, and died that way. Oh, never saw her again, but that's just, you know, perfectionist, perfectionist. Now, ladies, what we're about to read, please don't get mad at me because it is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. This is what the Lord says, Proverbs 27, 15, quote, a nagging wife is like water going drip, drip, drip on a rainy day. And the very next verse says, you can no more stop her complaining than you can stop the wind. And Proverbs 21, 19, better to live out in the desert than with a nagging, complaining wife. Now, ladies, this is for you. Would you agree that men can do that too? Absolutely. This refers to men as well as ladies. Nagging perfectionists. Nothing's ever right. Um, listen, seriously, not much will destroy the warmth of a home faster than complaining. And not much will destroy the harmony of a marriage faster than complaining. It just doesn't work. And moms and dads, we know that kids, again, they have that nature like we, we do. And complaining just seems to kind of come naturally to kids. But I think we need to ask ourselves if our kids are constantly complaining, if we're setting the example, that'd be a good place to look. So how, those are the four things. Well, the good part, how do you conquer it? How do you get over it? Well, the next 15, 16 minutes, let's talk about that. How do you conquer complaining? Number one, admit it's a problem. Admit it's a problem. Are you listening? Admit it's a problem for you, not for everybody else. Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. You know, often the most, the most difficult part in learning how to handle complaining is for me to recognize it in myself. You know, um, you remember I told you a week or two ago, I would not want everything that I've ever thought to be up here for you to see. Well, let me tell you something else. I wouldn't want everything that I've said, even under my breath, in the last two or three weeks to be up there for you to see. And I believe it's probably true for you. You know, and, and I've, I've asked myself, uh, truthfully, getting ready for 2024, and now, Lloyd, how much time uh, are you spending griping and complaining and arguing, you know, and, and saying life stinks? You know, I... My Bible seems to say that I'm to be joyful no matter what's going on. That even though things are bad 
And like we're studying on Wednesday night, where do we go from here with all the stuff that's happening? Well, while we're going there, we're supposed to have joy, the joy of the Lord. You know, Paul said it in this book that we're looking at. You know, he said, I'm telling you, rejoice. And as if we didn't get it. And again, I say, rejoice. We can be happy because we know where we're going. And we know what the final chapter says. We win because Jesus is one. And we get to live with him forever. So complaining, oh, by the way, almost forgot, important point. Guess what the sin was that kept, I believe, about two million or more people, the Israelites, out of the promised land for 40 years? Complaining. Seven times I read where it says they murmured or complained against the Lord. Think about how serious that is. The reason the children of Israel did not get into the promised land when they were supposed to was because they were complainers. So we admit that it's a problem. And after we do that, we then accept responsibility for our own life. You accept responsibility for your own life. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, complaining is just an attempt to blame other people for the problems that we've created or to excuse ourselves while we put the focus on somebody else. Listen, most of the time I've brought the problem into my life, but I, you know, I cannot complain then, you know, if I'm the one that dropped the ball, I can't complain which way it's going to bounce. And many times my complaining was just an excuse to be irresponsible and to not admit to myself that I caused the situation. You know, the Lord has had to remind me, Lord, you are free to choose. A lot of things in life you get to choose. I've given you the freedom of choice. But Lord, once you make a choice, then you're no longer free because you've got to live with the consequence of that choice, whatever it may be, good or bad. So someone may be complaining, you know, I'm just so far in debt. Well, maybe it's because you were irresponsible about spending. Maybe you made purchases that you shouldn't have made. Or I hear sometimes husbands or wives say, you know, I'm just not appreciated at home. Well, maybe you don't appreciate others at home. What I'm saying is this, whatever you want in life, you've got to give it out. I think that's biblical. If you want friends, guess what? You've got to be friendly. If you want appreciation at home, then you need to appreciate at home. If you want to be put first in your marriage, guess what? You've got to put the other one first in your marriage. It just works that way. Accept responsibility for my own choices. And I put in your notes there the three kind of people about accusers, excusers, and choosers. You want to be a chooser. You don't want to accuse somebody else. You don't want to excuse yourself. You want to choose to do the right thing. Number three, develop an attitude of gratitude. Isn't that a good one? Develop an attitude of gratitude. Folks, all through the Bible, it talks about giving thanks. Giving thanks. I mean, almost every book of the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in how many circumstances? All. For this is God's will 
for you in Christ Jesus, all. Now, again, it doesn't say, I want you to be thankful for them, but I want you to be thankful in them. And I'll tell you, uh, a couple of three months ago, when I was like every third day seemingly in the bed with my back and it just be so, such unbelievable pain, I did get to the place, thankfully, where I, and I don't know if that's why the Lord said, okay, I'm going to heal you now, but there, I would lie there and I would say, Lord, this, I, this, is, this is terrible, and Lord, I'm not thanking you for it, but Lord, you said that you would work everything together for good, so like I told you, a pattern. There's got to be, you're, there's something going to good come out of this, and it did. I thanked him in it, but not for it. And not every day, I can't admit that I do it every day, but two or three times at least a week, when I'm driving in and I'm praying on the way in, I will say this to the Lord, thank you for the privileges and the advantages and all the opportunities that you've given me. And, I, and you think about that. And, and then I think about them in detail, all the opportunities I've had in ministry, the, the, the advantages and, and, and the... the um, the privileges that, that God has given me. You know, I can tell you this, and many of you in here probably grew up like this. My family, some of them back there, they can tell you the same thing. Back when we were growing up, we didn't have any money. Now, we had food to eat, and we had a roof over our head, but you just didn't have money. Back then, if I had $20 in my wallet, I was a rich man, and we never ate out. We never went out to eat. Never, that I can remember, I think once or twice on the way up to North Carolina, but we just didn't eat out. It was too expensive. And now I can eat out every, every breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I want to. God has been good. But you know what? I, 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 don't, I, I still don't get victory over the complaining thing. But I'm praying that God will help me to do that. You know, we in America have so much to be grateful for, even now. You know, as I've, you know, I've watched a lot of these travel shows. I like to watch, I like to see the different places and so forth. And do you know what, um, I think his name is um, the, the, the one that does Europe all the time, Steve's, who? Rick Steve's, yeah, his travel. He said this. Overseas, the one thing that American tourists are most known for is complaining. I wouldn't doubt that. And it may be because we have so much over here, you know, and, and, and over there it's not the same way. Are you listening? Yes. Folks, listen, there are people that 99 things can be right and one thing wrong. And you're going to focus on that one thing rather than the 99 things that are going great. Of course, are you listening? Of course there are things in your life that you're not satisfied with. Of course there are some things in your marriage that you probably don't like. There are some things in your business that you probably don't like. Habits that you have that you probably don't like. Things in your mate that you don't like. Or your children that you don't like. Or your boss that you don't like. Or the church and things that you don't like. There's probably things about Pastor Lloyd or Steve or Nancy or Brian or Carrie or any of the others that you don't like. But we need to focus. You know, 
Paul said in Philippians 4:11, I have learned to be what? Content, whatever the circumstances. Content. Well, guess where Paul was when he wrote that? In Rome, under prison. Okay? So when you learn to be happy in spite of the circumstances, that's maturity. That's being mature that I am determined not to be controlled by my circumstances. Got to move on. Two more. Number four, look for God's hand in your circumstances. Do you do, you do that? Do you, whatever's going on, good, bad, or indifferent, do you look for God's hand there? If you want to get victory over complaining, look for God. Amen. And what, what you're dealing with. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. Paul says, this small and temporary trouble that we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. So we fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. What is seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. I mean, and folks, really truthfully, if, if you live to be 100 down here and things aren't good, that's nothing compared to heaven. I tried to find, I thought I had one, but I didn't. I wanted to bring up here a little BB, like you shoot out of a BB gun. And I wanted to hold that thing up and let you see it. Because folks, that little BB in the scope of the whole universe Okay, not just here, the whole universe. That's like, that's what Paul's saying here. It's not to be compared to what you're going to have for eternity. That be your little problem and all of that is the universe. That kind of helped me, maybe not you, but it helped me. Paul is saying that there are problems that come into our lives, no doubt, but that the way we look at them determines our attitude. The problem, folks, they're temporary down here, not to be compared with living in eternity. So God has a greater purpose. Now, I didn't tell you this before, but in the Bible, the reason why we're told over in the Bible over and over not to complain is because one, it is a sin. It's a sin. And two, that sin is rebellion. That's what it says in uh, Exodus uh, two or three different times that that complaining is rebellion. Why? Because I'm questioning God's wisdom. Amen. I'm questioning God's wisdom. I'm questioning his love and his care for me. And I'm forgetting how good he's been in the 99 other places. Number five, practice. Oh, I like this one. Speaking positive folks. You're going to have to help me. And I'm serious with this. Nancy's going to have to help me a lot and say, that's not positive, you know, but, but I really, 2024, want to change my attitude about a lot of things. I want to speak positively about them. Complaining is a habit. Did you know that? And listen, are you listening? Habits, I know you're getting ready to leave. Don't do that. Listen. <laughs> Habits are only broken by replacement. The only way you break a habit is to replace it with something else. 
Take out the negative complaints and replace it with positive speaking. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I don't like what the Bible says that I'm going to give an account for every idle word that I speak. That I'm hoping, listen, I, I've been trying to figure that out, but I'm hoping and praying that means that now that I'm a believer, though, that everything's forgiven and I won't have to deal with that. And by the way, that, this, this is a crucial factor in being a parent. Ephesians 6, 4, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with loving discipline and godly advice. I like that discipline. He didn't leave that out, but he called it loving discipline. You do it in love. And be positive in your speaking. Now, I told you we'd come back to that verse. So if you look at the very first verse, uh, those two on your notes that we started with, uh, verses 14 and 15. What are the results of what are the results of us not complaining? Well, he says to do everything without complaining, and that one, you will be blameless, two, pure. In the Greek, that means having integrity. And then the third one was you will be children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation where you will shine like stars in the universe. Our culture is so negative. If you don't think so, watch this. I don't watch the news anymore. And as I've told you, everything, almost 95% of what I watch, I don't turn the sound on, except for gun smoke. shine like a star in the middle of a dark night. See, the whole point of the passage is that Paul is saying that Christians are to react differently in the circumstances of life. Are you listening as I close? A complaining Christian is a bad witness, is a bad witness. A positive attitude is a great witness. Wouldn't it be great? Listen, and, and by the way, and I, I'm out in the community all the time, and I thank God, yeah, we got, you know, one or, one or two old sore heads, but the majority of people are so good, and, 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 and you're, all, you're that way, and you're up, and you're, and you're positive, but wouldn't it be great if we had the reputation, man, that's the church where the, those people are so positive. We could do that if we each individually do what we're talking about today. Man, that's that church over there, man. Um, if you've ever seen the Chronicle, on Saturday they have like a, kind of a religion little section and it'll have a bunch of churches and listing their times and all that. I've learned people don't look at that. You know, they're wasting their money. But anyway, at the top of the page, it said places that offer, and I wrote it down, peace, harmony, and unity for all. I wanted to say, you think so? Have you been there lately? Go sit in somebody's seat. That's their seat. You know? Pull in some front of somebody real quick going out of the parking lot. Beep your horn at them. See how much peace and harmony and unity you get. But folks, every time that you smile, every time you shake a hand, 
Every time you greet somebody and give them a hug, you're spreading love and, and positive. You're making a difference. You're shining like a star in a dark world. What would happen? What would happen in your home if y'all made a pact that you weren't going to complain? What would happen in your business if nobody complained? Hey, kids, teenagers, what would happen in your home if you didn't complain, if you quit complaining? But you know what? We need a power beyond us. We cannot, listen, Jesus Christ is the antidote to the culture that we're living in. He is the antidote, the answer to my human nature that wants to complain. And folks, listen, for me, it's an embedded habit to look at the things out there in the world that I don't like. And, and not just comment about them, but becomes complaining. And the reason I know is because it bothers me. It upsets me. And there's no joy. I want to change that in 2024. He is my antidote to my own nature and to my culture. I need a power beyond me. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Let's bow. Lord Jesus, I, I know I've been dreading now for about a month and a half preaching this because I knew that it was mainly directed for me. And I, with your help, am determined to not be a complainer. Not that I don't see the things that are wrong and that I comment about the things that are wrong as we do in our Bible studies and even from up here, but I'm not going to let it become an attitude. And I pray for everyone in this room that we might seriously look at the fact that you tell us not to complain, that it is sin and it's the sin of rebellion and that you will forgive us and that you will give us the power to change. And we're counting on that. In Christ's name we do ask, amen. Let's stand together. say thank y'all so much it's been a privilege to preach to y'all this last year been through a lot of different things a lot of folks that we've lost uh, due to death 
And um, I'm sure it'll be the same this year. But we just want you to know how much you're loved. And uh, we'd like to ask you to seriously consider coming to that January 10th meeting where we can just say hi to you and uh, get to see your face one-on-one. Have a good afternoon, and I'll see you next year. Have a good one. Enjoy it.